You're listening to the Missionary Perspective Podcast with veteran missionaries Eric Johnson and Joshua Mead. We're glad you could join us. We trust this podcast will be both a blessing and a challenge as we relate topics in world evangelism from a missionary perspective. Now, here's Josh and Eric. Hey, Eric, it is good to be back with you this week, and it's good to be with uh, all of those who listen. We are glad that you are joining us on the Missionary Perspective Podcast, and we are speaking this week about team. And I think we're going to take the next couple weeks and kind of do a deep dive as much as we can from our experience, from biblical principles, and from really what what we could desire and what we want uh, uh, if we work in a team. Uh, we're going to talk everything team. Now, I wanted to start with this little story. There was a, a someone who told me once they got to the mission field and the missionary they were going to work with picked them up at the airport and they they knew a little bit about this missionary. This, this was a, a mission trip, okay? We talked about missions trip last week. And so the youth pastor who was leading the mission trip, he said, the missionary picked us up. And he said, we get in the car and we're driving back home to where he lived. And while we're driving in the van, he turns on some heavy metal music and just like, you know, he's, he's rocking out and he turns to the missionary and says, yeah, this is how I relax. This is kind of a stress reliever. (laughs) And I mean, it was, it was full on heavy metal. It wasn't even like the skillet stuff, you know, whatever, if anybody's familiar with that reference of uh, the Christian heavy metal band. But so, I mean, he was like the, the youth pastor is like, this was not what we were expecting at all. We like, we, we had no idea just everything that week was just a total debacle And, you know, that happens a lot. I know of missionaries who went to go work on a team and the missionary they had planned to work with ended up just being not what they thought he was. And just there Mm. there was problems and stress. So with all the articles I've read and missionaries I've spoken with, it seems that team is a hard thing. It's a great concept, but it's a hard thing to implement on the mission field. So, Eric, can a team work on the mission field? Can you actually work with other missionaries? I'm. I'm making my notes now. When you come visit, I got to change some of the CDs in my car, I guess. Uh, yeah, team team right. missions absolutely can work. And really, you know, it's very biblical. That's that's the most important thing, I think, when we're talking about team missions. This right. is not a, a concept that a man has invented. I believe it's really uh, ordained of God to be the best way in many ways to uh, serve in the ministry. I, I kind of look at the apostles after Christ sent them out as to be the first uh, teammates. Now, they didn't all stay together. Some separated in different places. And then, of course, through the New Testament, we see wonderful mission teams going out with Paul. Now, one thing as we kind of start today, though, I think, especially if we're talking to a, a future missionary here, Josh, one word after now many years of having had teammates and observing even more sets of teammates One word I think maybe would be good to put in maybe parentheses before we say teammates is the word temporary, because it's not always forever. Now, temporary may mean a decade. It may even mean two decades in some cases, but that's very rare. Uh, I think when we talk today about team missions, let's talk about the idea that it's not it's not forever, but it is very beneficial and it can work. And we're going to kind of dive into that, how we've seen it work, not only in our own ministries, but how we've seen it work in other ministries around the world and how you know, we all understand we're all different. God blesses us with different abilities, talents. Um, and the the key, I believe, in team missions is figuring out how 
those can mesh together for the glory of God. So I'm really excited about this topic today. Emissions is biblical. It's something that we talk about a lot. It's something that, um, you know, our supporting churches love to see it um, because, you know, they read the scriptures and you read through Acts and you see the collaboration with the churches and you see the this missionary team going out. And I have a personal philosophy and kind of a way that I view the way that Paul did missions. And, and I truly believe that when Paul set out as a team, he was sent by the church at Antioch kind of as a local church himself. They went out at kind of like a mobile church to go and reproduce another church. Churches reproduce churches. And when you look at a church that um, is full of dysfunction and disunity, um, that church is stagnant and it, it has a hard time moving forward for the Lord. And we seek and desire unity in our church, and we seek and desire uh, that love for one another. It's taught in scriptures. It's what Jesus emphasized. Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if ye have love one toward another. I mean, he set the standard high for what he expects of us as his disciples. And I think that's a priority we need to keep in mind when working on a team, especially in missions. Now we can analyze, and I think maybe we talked about it last week or a couple of weeks ago. We can analyze sometimes why teams don't work out that well. Um, from all my research and study, and if you're a missionary, a veteran missionary listening, you may have experienced, more than likely, you've experienced kind of the difficulties and stress that can come from working in a team environment. And sometimes part of the reason, Eric, I think is because the missionaries that end up going to the field are very independent, are very driven, are type A personality, you could say. They're they're pioneers in a way. And sometimes you you can move forward without thinking of bringing others around you uh, to fulfill the task. Would you agree with that? That maybe that's that's part of the reason why? What, how do you analyze that? No, I certainly think that is a strong component of that, especially those who are listening today. We tend to have one circle. We're in the independent Baptist movement where the predominant missionary the couple that is sent out is to do church planting, often in an area where there are there are no churches, like-minded churches. And so it requires, even before you hit the mission field, to understand that you're going to probably be lonely. You're probably going to be the only Christians you know for a while. And you really ha- are selling yourself to these churches to support you because you're going to do a task that really nobody else is doing right now. And so I think your mindset is a preparation of, being ready to be by yourself and to do this task. And so you've spent a lot of time, effort, uh, study into how you're going to do this. And so to naturally share that with somebody else that's not your wife uh, is not always easy. And I think that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Yeah, definitely. I want you to expand a little bit. I like what you said at the beginning about uh, putting that caveat to it, temporary teammates, that there is, there's always a temporary nature. There has to be a flexibility uh, things are always changing. There's always transitions when a ministry is moving forward, a ministry is advancing for the Lord. There is always changes, uh, things that you can't see coming down the line that that 
things get upset or things change. And sometimes it's for the good, sometimes it's for the bad. Now, when you talk about temporary teammates, expand on that a little bit. Are you talking about uh, maybe a young family that just moved to the field and they've decided they're going to work with a veteran missionary, but in their mind, you know, they're going to do one term with this veteran missionary and then they're going to branch out on their own. Or are we looking at, is that the norm or should we try to see how we can do church planting by staying together for a longer period of time, partnering with another missionary to do an extended work? And then uh, how, how is that still temporary in the sense that you were sharing? Why don't you expand a little on that? So I come to it with my experience and my observations. And so what I would say is after many years of observing from afar, maybe someone close with other ministries here, even on our island, and then our own experiences, I think maybe when we see the end or the transition with teammates, sometimes our perspective could be it was a failure or it didn't work if our expectations weren't correct. And that's what I've learned over the years is that if our expectation is like you mentioned, okay, maybe the first expectation is let's see how this goes. Let's give a two-year commitment uh, in the case of a young missionary. This was going to be our situation. We were coming to the field to work under veteran missionaries, and we were going to commit to them two years, basically learning the language, learning the culture, learning the ropes of the ministry as far as the Dominican Republic. And we were hoping to do that. Now, it didn't work out for various reasons, mostly health for this couple. They had to go home within the first uh, 12 months of us being here. But we were willing to submit ourselves uh, and humble ourselves and be under their ministry. And we understood we had spent some time with this couple. We knew them fairly well. And we understood that hey, maybe this area, that area, but like 98%, we were down the line with them. We were going to be behind them. And we understood we could learn without having that pressure of the ministry that just inevitably comes when you start your own work. And so I think every missionary should be willing to consider that just out of common sense and wisdom, if it's possible in your in your in your serving country, so that you can learn the ropes. And it's temporary, so if things don't work out, this was the expectation. And so at the end of it, is this wasn't a failure. I learned this, this, and this. Maybe these things over here weren't so great, but we don't have to emphasize on those because we hit the goal. Then there's the other kind of missions, which is, and I know this by fact because it's happened in my own life. It happened with other friends. Uh, some buddies who are in Bible college together, they get a heart for the same. I, this might even happen with you, Josh. It just didn't come to fruition. Uh, you know, you get that same heart for serving the Lord and you go together because you're best buddies ahead of time. This happened with me, with one of my pals, Tim Flugi, And I praise the Lord. They came for, I believe it was 16 months. And yet the Lord had to close the door because their little daughter got a tumor and they had to go home and, and praise the Lord. She had successful brain surgery and is still in uh, wonderful health, but it just, they could not come back. And so, you know, that happens as well. We don't look at that as a failure at all. The Flugies were with us at a time when we really needed their help. And though we had in our minds a longer span and a longer desire at the end, uh, it wasn't looked at as a failure. God closed the door. What I think happens often though, is maybe we enter in, we're going to talk about some of the specifics without the right expectations. And when things don't go right, there's interpersonal relationship problems, and really just you're kind of at each other and it's not helpful to the cause of Christ, then we look at it when it disbands is almost like a failure. And I think sometimes having the proper expectations ahead of time will help us to say, 
nothing is forever. Every, everything is, is temporal in a sense. And so if we look at it as how can we glorify the Lord for this next year, two years, three years, I think maybe one day when it does finally need to divide and go in a different direction, we can look at it as a success instead of a failure. Absolutely. You got to keep the right spirit, the right attitude toward it. And I think this podcast, uh, we're going to really hone in on the positive aspect of you as the individual, as the missionary, how you should approach a team. Uh, maybe in the coming week or two, we'll talk a little more details about how to respond to unique situations within a team on a field, um, stresses and burdens. And look, the, the scripture says a lot about it. And I think the biggest problem is oftentimes we try to deal with the issues that arise on the team with, with the flesh, you know, without going to scripture and figuring out uh, the biblical principles that are laid out for dealing with certain things. And I would say as well that some of the difficulties that do arise with the team have to do with the fact that you are all from the same culture, but you're living and working in a different culture. So you're try you're living in these two worlds where you are ministering to people that have a different worldview and a different language than you. And so your mind has is is being shaped and you're changing the way you think and approach things to deal with people because you're learning, hey, people in my culture deal with conflict differently. So I have to learn all of that. And you're dealing with culture shock, you know, in the midst of that. And then add on top of that, you're working with missionaries who they may not even know it, but maybe they're applying conflict resolution or dealing with stress and difficulties with you the way that they would with a national, but you're not a national. So they're, you're not responding and receiving the way that they're trying to communicate. So it, it gets a mess. It can, and so I think there's those things have to be taken into consideration. I try to tell this, I tell my kids and I tell my wife this, when working with other people, I try to keep a principle of always, uh, giving someone the benefit of the doubt, all right? Giving someone the benefit of the doubt that if, if they just had a major blow up or there was some issue that, you know, some problem arose or something that it's, don't take it personally. That That's key. Like lay aside. What did Jesus say? Jesus said that you need to die to yourself. You need to take up your cross and follow me. And Anyone who follows Jesus must lose himself. And part of that, if you look in 1 Corinthians 13 of how to express love and what Christian love is, it's it's suffering long. It's not envying. It's not vaunting yourself. It's not puffing yourself up. It's not rejoicing in iniquity, but it's rejoicing in truth. And when you when you learn to develop that love within a team relationship, uh, you can endure things and you won't impugn bad motives to situations that arrive. I think that's key. And then another key I would say is maintaining and cultivating a spirit of humility. Absolutely essential that you maintain a spirit of humility. Um, you gotta, you just can't care. Okay. Who gets the credit if a team is going to work 
Um, leadership aspects, we could talk about that later, how that all gets worked out and things. But um, when it comes to just you as the individual, you know, somebody asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? And he told the story of the Good Samaritan. And what was the point of the story? Jesus said the neighbor was the one who was neighborly. The question isn't who is your neighbor. The question is, are you being a neighbor? And I think if you're going to work in a team, and if a team is going to work, it's not what is my teammate supposed to do? What are my expectations of my teammate? Who is my teammate? But are you being the teammate? Are you being the the type of disciple and humble servant uh, that God has called you to be to make a team work? Because it's absolutely biblical. Make a team work because it's absolutely biblical. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We're also, I want to make sure we make this clear that we're talking about teammates that primarily come from the same uh, probably North American culture. I know even Josh deals with teammates sometimes from other parts of the world. And so maybe we'll talk on that on another aspect, but we're talking about people who kind of grew up in the same kind of uh, North American culture mm-hmm. that have now gone to a different culture to serve. And so Josh, I kind of want to kick off with a few things, nothing really in particular order, but really, as we talked about today, kind of the positives of uh, being part of a team concept, the team missions is you know, what are, what are the advantages? Why should I want to do this? And I kind of kick off, and these aren't, like I said, in particular order, but really the first thing that kind of came to mind was just to have friends, uh, friendship and help in a, in a lonely time. We are now 13 years. We have a much more established church and churches, and our loneliness is not the same as it was when we first got here. When we first got here, we didn't know a single soul when we got to our town. And so, when we first got our teammates uh, three or four years into the ministry, as our church was really just starting to take off, it was a great help to have some friends that understood our our our, our culture, our background, uh, understood what it was to be a Christian living in a in difficult environment, uh, understood what language training, uh, how, how difficult it was. Um, it was great for my wife to have another uh, lady, a Christian lady she could share things with, talking about um homeschool. I mean, just so many things you can share. And I think one of the advantages right off the bat is just to have somebody like-minded who shares your vision uh, with you in the battle. Uh, This may not be something that you necessarily need so many years into the ministry, 15, 20 years down the ministry, but early on, I really encourage people, if they can be together and and go through some of the things we're going to go through later on, uh, it is a great, a great joy to have friends in a ministry, to share Christmases with, to share. Uh, this is one of the things we always loved. We, lo- we we made much of 4th of July. We got together. We had a cookout. We celebrated things that mm-hmm. helped us feel not so far from home with Americans. And, and probably my favorite day on the calendar that's not, uh, it has to do with church, is Thanksgiving. And, you know, we always do that with, uh, in this case, Americans or Canadians. And it was a great joy. And so just very rudimentary, not necessarily so spiritual, but more for your mental and your spiritual health is to have good teammates can help you along the journey. Yes, definitely. And, you know, I've read, we've read a lot of different books and articles, and I've talked to a lot of different missionaries who have worked in different teams. And that's kind of the theme, you know, it's, it allows you to kind of keep a a foot in your home culture, because yes, you've given up a lot for the Lord. And it's, you're not really given much. Jesus gave it all. And, uh, I never, I never want anybody to feel like we've, 
you know, we're, we're missing out or we're, we're losing out because we're missionaries. Cause we are, um, there's so much more you gain as a missionary, but that is one of the nice aspects and a necessary aspect of working on a team. And even when you're in an area like where we are, where we are the only, uh, independent Baptist and Baptist in our entire city, the only other Western missionary uh, group that is here is with another denomination, and they have uh, three or four families that are serving here, and uh, they're great missionaries, and uh, they're doing a great job, and we'll connect with them for those holidays, you know, and so we celebrate and make a big deal about it, and uh, our kids really enjoy that, and when they go back to the States, they don't feel so out of place. And so, yeah, those things are definitely important and you need to make sure you emphasize those things. I know sometimes on a team, that's the thing is even when there's conflict and difficulties and the good times and the bad times, what I love about missionary culture is the family aspect of a team. All right. It's not just that you're their co-workers, but you become family. Um, I don't know if they, this is kind of universal. I think in uh, among missionaries, you guys probably do it there in the Dominican Republic, but it's kind of a little secret that missionaries, uh, it's an open secret, but we, we call the other missionaries, our kids call other missionaries, aunt and uncle, you know, they'll see, uh, there's a missionary here, Josh and Heather. And, and when our kids see him, they'll say, Hey, uncle Josh and aunt Heather. And, you know, they, they have that. We try to maintain that family connection so that we use that familial language so that we are, uh, there's that intimacy and connectedness, not just as doing the same work of missions, but you know, you're away from your family and you're away from those connections and, and those ties that you have. And so it can be a tremendous blessing and an encouragement uh, when you hit those lonely times to have a family and have another teammate on your side, definitely. definitely. You know, one of the things I look back now on the experiences we've had of teammates is probably my greatest failure is sometimes to be so focused on the work and, you know, although we did do many fun things together and, and, you know, had family days and picnics and, you know, cookouts and games, it's it probably still needed to be more um, because really, as you mentioned, it's like a family, um, whether it's in some some respects, it's kind of like a second marriage in the sense that you are married to them. But it's also maybe like a brother and sister um, cousins. And so you really have to work at that. And. Like you are not given, you know, you don't choose who your brothers and sisters are. In this case, you are choosing. And so, mm-hmm. but you also have to choose to spend time with them and to cultivate that. And I, I encourage through um, my experiences where they've been wonderfully positive and probably needed to be more uh, missionary. If you're part of a team concept, you're never going to regret, I think, that extra special day together with your teammates to b- build that relationship. And uh, and if you feel like there are things that are strained, you probably should do more of those just so you have tighter, tighter ties. So Josh, that's a, another, another advantage I want to add in here is uh, obviously friendship, but you know, accountability, you know, accountability is, is really key in the ministry. So many of us are far, far away from not only our home church, but our supporting churches. They have an expectation. We've said what we're going to go do, but if we're honest, Josh, we know first and foremost, the temptation sometimes to not do as much as we're supposed to do and unfortunately, we've also seen bad examples. And so 
I always enjoyed having teammates part of our ministry to help with the accountability. You know, Proverbs 27 talks about iron sharpening iron. And this really is the case. I remember specifically certain times in the ministry. I'm thinking of a time when we had uh, a VBS where we had two couples, uh, my wife and I and this couple and their families. And I remember just at the end of that VBS thinking that's how it's supposed to work. You know, I did the, the teaching. He did the games. My wife did the singing. The other lady did all the administration. And, you know, it just was a great uh, example, everyone using their talents and abilities for the glory of God. And we kept each other accountable and there were great fruits in the ministry. And so I just want to say, you know, having another missionary there is not a bad idea. It helps you keep your nose to the grindstone, keep doing what you said you're going to do. And there's encouragement in that. Yeah, definitely. Missionaries deal with, you know, culture shock and they, we, you know, they're, we deal with depression and despair and difficult times like anybody does, right? Every Christian faces difficulties and despair. But when you don't have, whether you live in the States or you're a believer or pastor in the States or you're a missionary overseas, when you don't have a support, a network of support and supporters behind you, like you said, for number one, for accountability uh, to just push you. Sometimes it's not even spoken. It's just, you know, hey, I've got an obligation here, not just to the Lord and to his work, but I have an obligation to fulfill my roles and my responsibilities because there's other people on this team that are depending on me. And when you're by yourself and you're isolated and you get into that depressing and discouraging time, it can be easy to just like a hermit, just kind of back off and go hibernate somewhere and, you know, the work, yeah, the work will suffer overall. But when you have teammates that are truly, you know, good teammates who are sensitive to the work of the Lord and they're sensitive to, to each other's needs, then it can be a blessing. Um, even I was, I'm thinking of a, a missionary who worked here in the past. They had to leave the field. They were with another mission group. Um, but he was just he was able to just bring up things. We would play tennis every morning. I'd get up early, go down to the tennis court with them, and um, we'd get some exercise, play some tennis. And just it was natural conversation that he would initiate and bring up, just kind of asking me, how's your prayer life? How's your spiritual life? And I miss that because um, that's something that's rare. Sometimes, A lot of times it can be awkward, you know, when you're talking about accountability and um Somebody asks you a question, you think, oh, you know, you're trying to check up on me or this or that. But uh, this this missionary was just gifted with being a Barnabas type, just in exhorting and and uh, he had a way of doing it. And I think we all need to cultivate that to learn how to make it natural and to be just as concerned about the needs of your teammate as you are about your own needs. Uh, what did Paul say? Paul said, everyone's to bear their own burden. Each of us have a burden that we bear that is unique to ourselves, all right, that God allows us to bear. But then he says in the same chapter in Galatians, bear ye one another's burdens. And so while I'm bearing this burden, in order to alleviate the weight of my burden, Paul recommends go and help others carry their burden. And as you're alleviating and caring for others' burdens, then they in turn can reach and help lift up your burden and help carry your burden. And that's the whole point of, of gifts and the calling of God. And I've always felt, 
Eric, uh, you, I'll have you continue here in a minute with different points that you're making, but I just always felt, I, it always confused me why missionaries working on teams net, don't seem to work out that often. Why is it always, in a sense, why does it fail? Because it never made sense to me looking at scripture, okay, and what Jesus modeled, he told his disciples, you're not going to work together the way the Gentiles work, the way that their administration of lording over each other, you don't do that. He said, the least among you, the servant will be the greatest. And if we truly exemplify and live out servant leadership, to me, it just makes sense that I'm not going to be vying for the top position in whatever team I'm placed in. And I'm not going to be vying to try to get the attention and the credit for what's being done, but I'm going to be doing everything I can to make sure I get to this bottom position, to be the servant, to do everything I can to exalt you as my teammate and lift you up so that God can use you in an incredible way. Does that make sense, Eric? Or is, is it hard? Is it easy to theorize and just hard to implement? Well, I think it, it absolutely is easy to understand, especially with the scope of scripture. I think mm -hmm. when we're talking about North American missionaries and now North American missionaries with, you know, like I mentioned, those who are going out to be pioneers, church planting missionaries in difficult environments, but also a lot of cases and in, in the instance I'm speaking of, the American mindset sometimes is to, you know, to have those goals in mind. And even if we're not trying to seek the glory, it's just ingrained, unfortunately, in culture. And so we have to fight against those kinds of things. I mean, when you're writing prayer letters, you know, you don't want to say all the negative. You want to say the positive. You also want people who are supporting you to <laughs> realize that what they're supporting is a positive thing that's worthwhile and so if you spend all your time in a prayer letter talking about your teammate, it's natural in your mind to think, well, what are they going to be thinking about this? And so we have to battle all those things. But I really think if we put Christ center mm -hmm. and we put, you know, the ultimate goal, which is really to reach the people, train them up and then turn it over. And then, like I said, once again, I think and we'll come back to this a little later on is really the expectations. I think sometimes we what we call failure, if we look back at it. And just say, if we had a different, now, there are many times where people don't handle situations right. And we know the instances and things blow up. Unfortunately, what I've also noticed with this, Josh, is a lot of times people who can't work together well, they don't usually stay on the field a long time sometimes. Um, what usually is under the surface that is manifested in a problem between missionaries, especially if one side is tending to be the, the one at fault, which it's not always the case, but a lot of times that's just the first step. A lot of times those families don't last very long. And so hmm. uh, I do, I do think sometimes it really has a lot to do with managing the expectations from the beginning, knowing who you're getting to work with under, and maybe even getting a third party, uh, obviously a pastor, you should get his approval, but other missionaries to kind of take a look at it and say, Hey, do you think we're going to work well together? You know, this guy, I know this, I don't know this guy as well. And I think then you have to do what most people don't want to do, which is actually listen to your friends when you ask them a question. A lot of people do that. They'll ask me things. We'll ask people things and they'll tell, give us an answer and then we go the other way. So you need to listen to your advice people give you. Uh, but I think I think really 
a lot of the problems, Josh, is managing expectations. And like you said, being willing to humble yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another reason why, you know, team is a positive thing is because they get you, right? They understand you. Uh, you need that. You need to be able to, like you were talking about, you write your prayer letters and you don't want to share the negativity and some of the difficulties that you're facing. And, and there's not really, that's not the place to vent, okay, on your updates. I think you need to keep in mind, be realistic, but you want to honor the Lord with a joyful prayer letter and, and be realistic about it. Um, but at the same time, you do need a place to vent your burdens and vent your stress. And you can't just keep it bottled up. Of course, you take it to the Lord. The Bible says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. So you, you trust the Lord to carry your burden. Take the yoke of Christ upon you, you know, let, let bear his burden. So like you said, get your priorities straight, get your expectations straight about the team and what's expected of you. Um, but yeah, when you're on a team, they get you like nobody else will. The nationals don't fully get you that you're working with in the country. And after you've been on the field for a couple terms, honestly, your family back in the States and your friends in your church, they're not going to get you. You've changed. And the way you think has changed and kind of the way you view things has changed and the way you view the American church has changed and you don't want to be cynical and you don't want to be negative about it, but you, you need a place to go to vent and, you know, just gathering with your teammates. They understand it. They get it. You know, there's no other setting. All right. There's no other setting where we'll gather for a meal and we'll start talking about, you know, gross <laughs> sicknesses and illnesses and parasites and all of that. You can't do that with anybody but other missionaries. You know, you're sitting there eating your food, talking about this parasite you just pulled out of your kid's neck or whatever. So anyway, he, you don't do that, you know, when you're reporting at a church on furlough. You, you, you kind of stay away from those things. But your missionary team gets you and you need that. Absolutely. And, you know, that's a good point to encourage others as far as being a missionary, even if you're not a missionary in a team concept, but just dealing with other missionaries in the foreign field, there is something that happens to missionaries. I'm sure you've seen this when you get together. And if we're not careful, it can often be very negative and it can be negative against the culture. It can be negative to circumstances. And what I truly love are missionaries you can be around for the day. And you get the end of the day, you're like, man, that was uplifting. It was very positive. And if you review the conversations, maybe you did talk about some trials, but it was done in such a way where mm -hmm. it was it was very uplifting and positive. Whereas I've been in many conversations with missionaries and I I'm afraid to say I maybe I've even been that missionary where at the end of the day, it's like, man, I was really negative today. I, I should really work on that. And so that helps us in our spirits. I mean, there's nothing wrong with bearing each other's burdens, but there is a there's a way to do it in a positive, uplifting. Isn't God good to see us through? Right. And to like just really running down, whether it's the country, the culture, circumstance, even your home church, I've heard people do that. So uh, really, our, our perspective with how we handle trials is so key. And, and really, as we continue this idea, what some of the advantages are, Josh, I, I think one that we haven't really talked about, which is kind of the obvious, is just to simply have 
help in the ministry. You know, ultimately, the reason we want to have teammates is that they help in the work of the ministry. And sometimes the most difficult thing to do is when you start a church by yourself is to be doing everything. You know, if you're running a bus route, if you're doing all the evangelism, you're doing all the teaching, you're doing all the setup, you're doing, you know, whether the things are spiritual or physical, it's a taxing situation physically and mentally when you're battling spiritually. And so just simply having someone who is capable, who has been blessed by God to do certain things uh, is, is a great help. And we've talked about this in our last episode, furlough. It is a is it a thing that you really maybe one of the best advantages of having teammates you trust is that you're able to leave the ministry in the hands of someone you trust that is going to keep the ministry going in the direction you have until the nationals can take hold. That's one of the reasons I think it's really important for young guys to learn so they can come alongside an older missionary who maybe hasn't and in, in, in his t- context hasn't been able to turn over to national. So then the, the older guy can go home and rest a little bit. The young guy learns the ropes and it's a really good idea, even if it's not forever missions, if it's not something that's going to be a decade long, um, just to have some help in the ministry for a short time. And, uh, you know, we're talking in a minute about some of the things to look, uh, look out for, but be on the lookout for a missionary in a team concept seems obvious that can help you. That's a great point. And make sure when you're, when you're developing a team, when you've decided to work in a team, you know, spend a lot of time together and don't just jump into it, you know, cold feet, just going straight to it. Um, make sure that you understand what are the expectations and understand how you can help each other. And if you're a team leader, I would say learn your job as a leader is to serve. All right. First of all, um, you're not there to build your own kingdom and build a name for yourself. That idea has just got to get purged out of missions. It just, it has this idea that, you know, this is the work of Josh and Julie, or this is the work, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, right? And if we can truly grasp that, that we are plugging into what the Holy Spirit is already doing here. It's not my job, okay, to come and build a work for the Lord. I, I, I preach this all the time when I'm back in the States. I am not here to build a work for the Lord. God has sent me here to plug into what the Holy Spirit is doing to preach the gospel and evangelize and just let the Holy Spirit do the leading. I was just with a couple, a young couple that are missionaries to the south of Senegal, where there are very few missionaries. And they worked together and they were talking about, we were talking a little bit about this and that, you know, working as a team and they work in a very difficult place. They've spent their first term uh, saturated with language and culture. They're out in a village. And he was explaining to me that when they came to the field, I mean, the Holy Spirit just turned their world upside down and what, how he uh, led them in approaching uh, ministry and they said, we, we both, the husbands and wives, and he said, we work together because we both realize that this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And whatever preconceived ideas we had of what we were going to do, sure, maybe some of it we implemented, but if we are both sensitive, everybody on the team makes it a priority to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading 
then there can be that unity. And when you're walking in the light, what does John say? First John, we just went through first John in our Sunday school. Uh, what does he say? He said, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with what? One with another. That's our commonality. And I think that's where you have to begin when you decide that you're going to work together as a team is you have to set aside you know, differences and set aside this and that and just make the priority, surrender to the Holy Spirit, his leadership. He's the leader of the team, even though in an administrative sense, there may be somebody designated as the team leader. But again, if you're the team leader, your job is to serve. Your job is to help your teammates be the best that they can be and develop their gifts so that it can be a full functioning team that will glorify God. And this carries over whether it's working with nationals or working with Americans or Canadians or, you know, somebody from your own culture. And that's, that's what we're talking about today is working with missionaries that are from your own culture. We'll do another podcast on more in-depth look at training nationals and partnering with nationals. Um, but yeah, I would just say that, you know, we, the first missionaries who came to Senegal with BIMI, there were four of them who ended up working together. And you want to talk about a diverse group. Each four of them went to four separate Bible colleges. And this is back when there was probably only four or five Baptist, you know, independent Baptist colleges. Uh, each one went to a different Bible college. Each one had served in a different branch of military. All right. And each one were from different parts of the country. You got one from California, from the South and North. So here they all come and they meet in Senegal and they made it work. And God blessed their ministry here. And of course, you know, when you talk to them, there were definite issues and, and different struggles. But one of the teammates that was on the team, uh, the husband and wife, they were explaining to me, you know, there was an issue with another missionary one time. And uh, I'll never forget this story. And I know she wouldn't mind me sharing it. I'm not going to say anybody's names. But she said that uh, they had just given birth to um, their, a boy. And they had this crib that they used for their other, other daughters. And they had lent out the crib to the, another missionary on the team when they needed it. Well, they set the crib up. And then like a month later or so, I don't know the time frame, but they still have this infant. The other missionary comes to their house because they just had a baby and pretty much demands that they give them that crib, okay, to, to borrow it. And so she said, the, this missionary wife said, and you know what I did? And Julie's listening, like she's putting herself in that, those shoes, right? And she's like, no way, it's my baby. My baby needs a crib. You know, I'm not gonna give you a crib. Like, give me a break. And this missionary wife said, I gave her the crib and we set something else up for our kid because the conflict of something as simple as that, and to me, it, it's kind of a big deal. I don't know. But that wasn't something that they felt in the overall kingdom view of God's work. It wasn't something worth causing an issue. And so they served. They, they humbled themselves and something as little as that, which I think is a big deal, but it, in the grand scheme of things, is it a big deal? It's having that spirit and that mentality that allows it to work because we are a different breed, aren't we, Eric, uh, missionaries? And you have to learn that. 
and learn to serve even when you, you know, somebody rubs you the wrong way. Yeah, and this is probably a good time to transition maybe into some of more of the details, which is, okay, now we've talked a little bit kind of in general generalities, but, you know, when you're looking, you know, just because you come from the same background, maybe even the same kind of group of churches, doesn't mean you're going to be great teammates. And I really think, and, and through my own observations over the years, uh, the more time you take beforehand and getting to know the believer and asking others about them, and really sometimes even sharing of yourself, this is kind of the first point of this is, you know, you need to make sure that you share the same kind of vision. We've had people over the years who've, who've approached us about being part of our ministry, becoming alongside and serving. And I believe these would have been very humble men. I believe they would have fulfilled many of the things we're going to talk about, but I really kind of felt from the very beginning, we didn't share maybe exactly the same vision. Now we, we have the same commission is to go and, and to preach the gospel to every creature and to, to train nationals to start churches. But that's kind of like the baseline. We all should have that. There are people who come from not just different colleges and different churches, but maybe they have different visions when it comes to how you do discipleship, evangelism, how you do training of nationals, church planting. And so it's so important, especially if you have defined roles, we'll talk about that in a minute, that you as the one who would be accepting the family or you one wanting to go to be part of a ministry, that you really share a pretty common goal and, and vision for whatever that ministry is going to be. Because if it's off, uh, I'm not going to say slightly, but if it's off in, in, in two or three areas, it's probably not going to be something um, both families uh, are really excited about. What do you think about that, Josh? No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you can have the same theological approach. You can have the same philosophy, you know, of ministry and philosophy of life. And you can be similar on a lot of different planes and you can have so much different. But I think when it comes to execution, when it comes to method, uh, there's all kinds of different approaches that we take in missions to fulfilling the calling of God on our life. And not everybody's on the same page. Um, I'll share this, like in our own experience, we felt led of the Lord after our first term, we felt led of the Lord to develop the property that we're sitting in right now um, and to start a separate church from the church that we were attending. There was another independent Baptist missionary here in town. We worked under them. We said, we're going to work with these missionaries, you know, for at least one term and get experience. And then, like you said, it was with that temporary in mind that maybe it'll be something that we continue when we get back or whatever the Lord leads. We're going to be open to whatever works. And we sensed by the end of our first term that this was the approach we wanted to take. We're going to build a building and then and, and do all these ministries and outreach, kind of sp starting that way. We had different ways that we really felt strongly about how we wanted to approach missions and ministry and evangelism and church planting. And the missionary that we worked with was a veteran missionary, had served in another country and planted a church that is uh, still going strong today in this other country. And he came and took over the church that was here already, that's, that was located in another part of town. And um, he did not, he didn't, although we were on the same page theologically, and even a lot of our philosophy was the same, 
and even the structure of kind of how we wanted to work together. Um, we had a structure worked out where one week I would oversee the mission and do the preaching and he would do things at home and he would do visits and he would do this and that. And then we would flip that every other week. And uh, so we, you know, it, it was working. So even on a structure level of doing the work together, that was working. But when it came to execution, when we felt, okay, we want to jump out here a little more and develop and stretch out of here and, and, and implement these methods for starting a church or expanding it, uh, he didn't see it the same way. And he felt strongly that the way we desired to approach it wasn't the right way. And so after much deliberation, a lot of talking, we, you know, we had a, a several meetings and basically just came to the conclusion that we can be two separate churches and two separate uh, I, teams will collaborate when it needs to. But when it comes to implementation as a team, we're going to make that separation where I'm, he's not the team leader and I'm not the team leader over there. We will still work together as, as two sister churches would. And I wanted to keep that amicable. I wanted to keep it friendly. I didn't want it to be a separation where we're just going to go over here and do it. I I don't care if you don't see it my way and I don't care if you don't see it. Um, and I didn't want to come off as just this young buck coming in and thinking he's going to do it this way or that way. And so I tried the best I could. And even when we came over to this part of town and some of the other church members wanted to come and join us, I, I said, no, stay... We're, we're starting a whole new church, a separate church. And so we, we pushed them to stay over there and continue in that church. And so long story short, uh, they ended up leaving the field later and God led them to another location. And so we incorporated both churches. But I think the reason we were able to incorporate the two churches, even though we had separated that way, is because we didn't separate with animosity I know on my end anyways, we didn't separate with animosity and cause that, allow it to become a strife just because we didn't see things in the way we executed the same way. But that is a reason why you would want to consider maybe separating from somebody else uh, if you feel strongly about a way that you want to approach ministry that God is leading to you. Because at the end of the day, you have to answer to the Holy Spirit. You have to answer to the one who called you uh, to do the work. And so um, I know there's some missions out there. Uh, I've spoke with other missionaries who they're really confined in a lot of what they want to do. I thank the Lord that as independent Baptists, our mission really gives a lot of liberty to follow the leading of the Spirit. But at the same time, that can also cause be it can cause more conflict when you're working on a team because there are a lot of different ways to approach things. And so you really have to make sure that not only are you on the same page theologically and with your philosophy, but that when it comes to execution and how you're going to do the work, uh, make sure that you guys are on the same page. Can it ever work? Let me ask you this question, Eric. Do you think it can work? if maybe two guys, two missionary families working on a team in a city where there's no other church, where they're pioneering the gospel, but maybe they have a little bit of a different view of execution. Can, can it work or do they need to do a Paul and Barnabas and just say, we're going our separate ways? 
Well, I'm sure it has worked. What I would say is my, my, my observation or my advice to say, if these guys were to come to me is to start out with defined roles. I always feel like I, I have seen churches where there are like these co-pastors and, and co-missionaries, and I'm not against that. Obviously it has worked, uh, but I believe in more cases than not, it, it doesn't work. And a lot of times it's because it's a lot of type A personalities. Now, what I would say is if you have two guys that are kind of the same pioneering spirit and they're coming together at the same time and you see some the word in Spanish is chokes, like accidents about to happen. I would, as their friend, really try to say, hey, maybe y'all should hit the same town, but have, you know, two different churches. But if you have two type A guys and it's a big town, like for our instance, our town, I mean, I would suggest a younger guy come alongside for a year or two. And I would say, look, I'm going to help you find a spot. I'll give you two or three or four different options and we'll get behind you. We do this all the time with missionaries. You know, the people have asked us, but just because we know the region, where would you suggest starting a church? And I don't give them one spot. I try to give them three or four options because I think the Lord's got to mold their heart to that town. But I really do think that two type A guys that probably will have some difficulties, it's almost inevitable. And so what you should do is have something kind of worked out where you can work together for a specific amount of time and then do what Josh said, which I think is, is terrific. There are a lot of missionaries who are my friends here on the mission field who are 20, 30, an hour away, two hours away. And I love them to death. I think they're great missionaries, but I can tell that we would not be the world's greatest teammates uh, for lots of reasons. A lot of it can be personality. A lot of it can be our wife's personality. It can be our kids. It can be slight philosophies, but it doesn't mean that that person is not doing a terrific job and I'm not doing a terrific job. And so I think that really kind of has a lot to do with knowing who you are, who you can get along with, uh, what you've been good at in the past, uh, and then understanding that things can be for a temporary time for the Lord's benefit. So I, I think I would be very wary of two guys that seem like they might have some issues up front. They're probably going to have issues. It's probably not going to work out real well. So have a defined game plan and think about how together you could support each other's ministries. We love, our church loves getting behind other churches uh, you know, within 20, 30 minutes, an hour away, going to their conferences, them coming to ours, supporting each other, even if it doesn't mean that we share the same pastoral leadership. And I think mm -hmm. there's so much work to be done. If it doesn't look like it's going to work as a team, help somebody out, go somewhere else, because there's so much to be done, Josh. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. And, you know, I think one area in the independent Baptist world, because that's what we're most familiar with. And that's what I've done the most evaluating and kind of study on. Um, one of the areas I think that could be improved upon is the area of doing official training. And that's one way that missionaries can collaborate more. So maybe you can't work as a team with another missionary in your town. Maybe there's just too much difficulty there. But one thing, uh, Bob Mack, a missionary in Ivory Coast, 
told me, he was talking with me one time. He said, you know, there's no reason if you've got three guys in the same town and they're each leading their own work, there's no reason for each of them to start their own Bible Institute. It just doesn't make sense. That's an area that can be collaborated. That's an area where, hey, you know, let's, let's get together. Let's do one Institute and we can do schedules of preaching and teaching. And again, that's going to be in any form of collaboration, somebody's going to have to take administrative leadership role, um, but we are still servants at heart. And so you have to, as the individual missionary, evaluate your own skills, evaluate your own gifts, and be willing to say, hey, I'm not gifted in this particular area, so I'm going to step back and let the other guy who is take the lead in this. And as long as they are using their gifts biblically, which is to glorify the Lord and to edify believers, including teammates, then the, the work can go forward. I think what was it? Ronald Reagan had the plaque on his desk when he was president. It said, there's no st stopping what, what a nation can do or what a people can do if no one cares who gets the credit. And I, it, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing there, but that's, that's absolutely essential to, to have a team that functions and works, uh, if, especially if you're the men in the team, you've got to lay aside, uh, you know, those differences, know your weaknesses and learn to see where somebody on your team has a strength, where you're weak. Um, because, you know, us type A personalities who are pioneers, we, we like to do everything, even the stuff we're not good at. We like to think that we're good at everything, right? And so it's very hard. I know for me personally, it's hard for me to delegate. I really have to work hard at delegating because I think I, I can just do it myself and I'll get it done. But you, that's not leadership and that's not servant leadership. Um, and so learn to know yourself and your gifts and your character and then learn to make that work and mold in the team that you're uh, working with. And yeah, I just want to add that if you're on a mission field, Hey, if you're thinking about starting an Institute, that's something you can collaborate with, with other missionaries and, uh, do a lot more if you're working with other missionaries in your area. Absolutely. Yeah. We've been able to be a part of other people's, uh, Bible institutes and there's nothing wrong with investing your life and other people's ministries, you know, it's yeah. all for the kingdom of the Lord. And, and one of the things that just yeah. to finish up this little point you're talking about knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and putting them to good use, you know, Josh, not everybody. And it's funny because yesterday I had a, we had a youth activity with another church about an hour away and I was talking to one of the missionaries and they're part of an amazing team. Um, there were five families sent out of the same church, a small church in North Carolina, to serve oh, here right. in the Dominican Republic. And I was just amazed talking yeah. about how they do that. And, and I was just, you know, learning a lot of great things of how they do things administratively, helping each other. But in the midst of our conversation, this gentleman was telling me how they've come to realize who really has some of the talents and abilities when it comes to preaching and teaching and dealing with kids. You know, if you have a, a teammate who's not great, with children or teenagers, don't put them in charge of it. Or if there's a lady who doesn't feel comfortable leading a ladies ministry, you know, know your strengths, know your weaknesses and help each other, um, you know, fill in those gaps, fit in the holes where they are. That's why I would really strongly encourage you 
to not necessarily have a, a couple that's exactly like you. You know, in many ways, those who are going to compliment you are going to have different personalities in some ways. And so it maybe takes some time to adjusting, but really for the ministry's sake, you want people who might be slightly different in, in the areas of your strengths and weaknesses to help fill those, um, those gaps. But one, one thing as we kind of transition a little bit is also just be really careful to do your due diligence um, for the person's character maybe character flaws, you might say, you know, do a real good job of, before you say yes, uh, maybe asking around people who know that missionary, um, because you can really get yourself into a tough bind, even for a year or two with some people. And so you want to just do your due diligence, talk to your pastor, talk to your director, talk to those who you count as mentors, uh, to really, to really check on those things. Um, they can really come back to bite you, and you will go, man, I really wish I know I was very excited about the possibility, but I really it's like buying a used car. You, you got you to gotta have the mechanic check it out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know a missionary once he was telling me they got to the field their first term and uh, worked with the only other missionary that was in their town, another uh, Baptist missionary there. And for the first year, you know, eight months, they were there, worked with them. And it, it was, you know, they're they're taking it all in, right? Your first eight months, you're just kind of on this, you're in another world, right? Trying to figure out who you are and what you're doing and where you're at and what language you're speaking, all of this. And after eight months, the veteran missionary they were working with went on furlough. And so, I mean, they were thrown right into it. Eight months later, they're overseeing everything in the church. The church was there, not a very big church, but they're they're overseeing everything in the church. They're making visits. They're doing soul winning. They're, they're doing it all. And then... After a year, the missionary gets back from furlough and everything changed. He said, it was, it was weird. He said, it just, they came in and just cut us off from doing everything. They said, like, they didn't do anything. He didn't schedule me to preach. And if he did schedule me to preach, he would leave. He said, during the times when it was my time to preach. And he said, it was just it was really bizarre. And he said, after about a year of that, where they just didn't ask us to collaborate on things, they didn't ask for our opinion on anything, where we had just spent a year while they're on furlough overseeing everything, then they just came and like, we were doing nothing. And so he said, after about a year that we knew, yeah, this just isn't going to work out. This isn't what we expected. And, you know, he's not sure to this day what you know, when he talks about it, not sure what was the reasoning behind it, but, you know, missionaries have all different reasons and different quirks and things like that. And again, you just got to say, all right, you know, let's go ahead and let's move on. Let's find another location and let's just keep, keep doing the work. And no matter where you arrive, I'll say this to, if you're a missionary, and even if you're a pastor working somewhere, it's better to just say, you know what, there's too much conflict. It's just not working out. I'm not going to fight to stay here. I'm just going to go find another area and cultivate another work. It's not worth destroying one work just for your own ego or even if you're right. Okay. Even if, if you're in the right um, and you're the one being wronged, it's still just the better path is to say, you know what, I'm, we're just going to go and start a work somewhere else and we're, we're going to move on. I'll say this to close out. And I think in the next time, next couple podcasts, maybe we'll talk a little bit about 
some some principles of dealing with conflict, um, setting boundaries, and you know, kind of getting a little more nitty gritty of working on a team. But I want to say this: if you're a young person in Bible college listening to this podcast, this is this is the time when you begin to develop that mentality and spirit of teamwork. Um, when you sense that call to God, begin praying. That was one of my first prayers that a missionary told me when I told them, hey, I feel called of God to be a missionary. When I was a young person, they said, hey, start praying that God will allow you to work on a team and that God will cultivate a good team. Begin praying about that now. And not only did they tell me that because I need to ask God to bless everything we do, but they were wanting me to get into that mindset of, hey, learn to seek the Lord. Because that's what prayer is about, about seeking the mind of the Lord and seeking the will of God. And they, they wanted me to begin developing that mindset of developing a biblical approach to working as a team. And so when I got to Bible college, um, that was really the mindset. And there was a young man that we, you know, we were going to work together. And of course, things change. It didn't work out for him, you know, to make it to the field. But that spirit was there and that was developed. So young person, I would say, if you're in Bible college, learn, start cultivating that now. Pray for, you know, seek the Lord and his direction for working on a team. Find a roommate, find a friend, ask God to give you a friend and call somebody to knit your hearts to before you even get to the mission field and, and go together and plan to work together and develop a philosophy and talk about execution and talk about method because that's invaluable. If you can develop that before you even get to the field with another partner, uh, man, it is, it's absolutely worth it. I look at the Apostle Paul and his team. And I, I think of Acts 16. I'm going to end with this, and then, Eric, you can close out with uh, any last words you'd like to give. But I, I love the wording in Acts 16. Paul gets the, the vision, the Macedonian call. It says, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, we were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mysia, they assailed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And it says, And they, passing by Mysia, came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Okay, so Paul gets the vision. Paul's, he's the team leader. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he, Paul, had seen the vision, immediately we... Luke and the team endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Notice the pronouns being used there. Paul gets the vision, okay? And a lot of times if a team's going to work, you need at least one visionary, right? I think if you have two visionaries on a team, it may not necessarily work. And let's talk more about that next week, about the need and missions for having men that are like Luke and men that are like Timothy. But that being said, look at the dynamic of this team. Paul received the vision, but immediately they said, hey, whatever God's doing and Paul, whatever vision Paul is getting, we're in this thing together. And Luke said, we were called to preach the gospel. Paul's the one who got the vision, but they were so united in their desire to get the gospel out. The gospel was the priority. The name of Christ was the priority. Not anybody's ego, not anybody's uh, renown, nobody's fame. It was, hey, God is leading Paul and he's our team leader and we're in this thing together 
And it doesn't matter who gets the credit. God has called us. They were just as sure of their calling, even though it was Paul who had the vision. Uh, and I would say that if you don't have a vision and you want to be a missionary, then you better find a missionary who has a vision and own their vision as much as if it was one that God gave to you. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And just say, hey, this is God's calling, and I'm going to get on page with this, and we're going to run forward with this and just get the work of the Lord done. Because I do believe with all my heart, much more can be done for the work of the Lord when we partner together in his work than just going at it alone. And so try to cultivate that spirit. Eric, you want to close us out? Last thoughts? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think until you're on the mission field and you're fighting those spiritual battles, it's hard to understand that I believe missionaries do not want to have conflict. I think we are, it's amazing how many people who aren't even the same stripe that we are, maybe even different denominations that we are encouraged to see them doing something for the Lord. And so I think generally speaking, missionaries want to see the gospel go forth. What we're talking about today, today is doing it in a way where it's going to be mostly efficient and maximized and not have conflicts and problems. And if those arise, how we can handle those so that missionaries don't come off the field. I think Josh and I both have seen uh, the, 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 the bad results where people did not know how to handle conflict. And instead of going in a different direction and serving the Lord, they just gave up. And so I think that's really got our perspective is to encourage so that you can have a, a wealth of knowledge to consider so that, Christ can be glorified in the shared vision and goal, completing the Great Commission. Well, praise the Lord. Well, let's continue this discussion. <laughs> Eric, at the beginning in our prep for this, we talked about we would probably do a shorter podcast. Turns out we're over an hour again. I guess we just start talking about topics and it just keeps going. But uh, let's continue this conversation next week and uh, we'll talk a little bit, a few more details and maybe tell a little more stories and just... Uh, this is such an important issue because it is such a big deal on the mission field. Uh, it, it does seem like teams don't always work out, but when they do work, oh man, just the, the, there's no stopping what can be done for the Lord when we all just humbly work together to advance the kingdom of God. Well, this is Josh Mead from over here in Senegal, West Africa. Eric Johnson of Dominican Republic. God bless. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and share and leave us a five-star review. Have a great day.